Will you pray with me, please? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity for worship this evening to be in your house, to be among your people, and to receive your word of truth for our lives. May your Holy Spirit be with us, encouraging our lives of faith and also empowering us to share that faith with others so that more and more people may be connected to your Son, our Savior Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. It's Mission Fest Weekend 2021 here at St. Lawrence Lutheran Church in Frankenmuth, Michigan. And what a delightful weekend it is. A little hot and humid this evening, and probably so tomorrow. But we pray that all goes well with our festivities, with our guest speaker, Pastor Christian Jones from Franklin Avenue Mission, and with our chicken dinner lunches for tomorrow. When you think and consider the word mission, though, many things might come to your hearts and minds. And I wonder what some of those might be. When you hear the word missions, is there an image that pops into your head? Is it a white missionary overseas ministering to an African village? Is it a Catholic church planted somewhere in the Southwest, a a mission church, as it were, with its unique architecture and design? Is it dollars and donations that flow through a congregation or a ministry or perhaps even a website proclaiming the gospel to all parts of the globe? Or if you consider the stained glass in our sanctuary, when you hear the word missions, Does it conjure images of German immigrants who came to a new land seeking opportunity, but also looking forward to sharing their faith with the Native Americans who were here as they planted churches and built communities? Missions to you might be an impossible task, reaching every person on this planet with the gospel of Jesus Christ, considering all the time, energy, and resources that would take. Or... Maybe missions for you is kind of an already done thing. Maybe it's already been accomplished because of our global economy and the speed with which we can communicate with our current technology. Missions like so many concepts in the Christian faith come loaded with lots of meaning and lots of images that include a variety of ideas and ideals, and that's okay. Mission work defined can be described as a group of people with a common objective sent to a foreign country to conduct negotiations and share information and resources primarily with a religious context. That doesn't have to be the only definition though. And the goal of the message tonight is not to give you a more sophisticated definition by which to order your ministry objectives when it comes to sharing your faith in Christ with others. But instead, what I'd like to do during our time together this evening is present to you five lessons that I've learned from some decades of working with the church for this Mission Fest weekend. Five lessons about missions. Number one, mission work is critical. Say critical. Critical. Mission work is critical. Critical. 
Despite the number of denominations, congregations, and Christian people in the world, along with all of our technological advances to communicate the gospel of Jesus to different people on the parts of this planet, of the 7.7 billion people that inhabit earth, only about 2.4 billion are Christian, which means that two-thirds of the people on planet earth could look forward to spending eternity without Jesus Christ. Most of the people on earth do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. By extension, we would say that most of the people on earth would not be saved if Jesus came back today. That should prompt us to think differently feel differently and act differently with regard to our approach to mission. Because even of those who claim the Christian faith, not everyone trusts in Jesus as their Lord and Savior or believes that a relationship with him is the only way to be saved. Sincerity, believing sincerely, acting appropriately, being a nice person, exhibiting good works, these are also ways that some believe that they can be saved. Either by a participation with the grace of God, as some Christian denominations believe, or just because the sincerity of your heart would be enough for God to say, yes, come and enjoy your father's happiness. Or they were a generally good person. They did good things. They were nice. Therefore, God should deem them worthy of salvation. These also have to factor in to lives of faith that may not lead some of them to repenting of their sins and receiving their Savior. Not only that, but a church that only looks within and does not look without with regard to mission work tends not to thrive very well, be organizationally healthy, spiritually strong, and encouraging of others, and usually tends to wither and decline both spiritually with regard to community impact and also in numerical size. Friends, congregations should be about ministry and mission work. Ministry is the spiritual care that we take for one another. And most congregations do a pretty good job of that. We certainly do here through the ministries of our congregation and school. We try as best as we can to take care of each other spiritually and encourage each other in our faith. But congregation should also be about mission work. Mission work which connects those outside of our congregation with the hope of bringing them in to our church family so that they too can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And good gravy biscuits, if there's anything that we've learned over the past two years during this global pandemic is that people need people. And we as the church need to be other people's people. We're good people. We're nice people. We're kind people. And we do have room, not just on Saturday night, but we have room in our hearts to express the love of Jesus with others. And there's room at our table to gather them around so they too can receive what we have that joy, that peace that comes from having Jesus Christ as our Savior. Number one, mission work is 
critical. Number two, mission work costs. Say costs. Costs. It costs time, energy, and resources. Like anything worthwhile. It costs millions and millions of dollars and intense focus and millions and millions of hours and all kinds of passion and commitment to provide staff and resources and support to connect people to Jesus. It's not that the church is in the business of making money and giving a share of that money back to its stakeholders, no. But the church is in the business of connecting more and more people to Jesus as best as it can by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And that costs. It costs time, energy, and resources. And it's worth it. Because I cannot imagine a heaven without some of my family members, some of my friends, some of my colleagues and coworkers, some of my classmates back in the day, some of the folks that I've met here and now, my neighbors, folks that God has placed in my life. I don't want them to have a Christless eternity to look forward to when that day comes. I want them to enjoy the blessings and the benefits and the peace that we'll have when Christ returns. I think you want that too for your loved ones. I think you want that too for the people in your life. So let me ask you this. Of someone you know does not profess saving faith in Christ, have you prayed for them lately? Connected with them recently? Communicated with them over the past season? Expressed your love for them? Invited them? Laid it on the line with them? And let them know that you would like to spend eternity with them and that Jesus can make that possible because he can. He alone can be their savior. And you might be the one to make that introduction. While most of the methods that I just asked you about are certainly not costly in terms of money, it does take time and intentionality. And I pray that you would ask for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and timing as you approach other people and invest in them and share with them your faith in Christ. But yes, it is going to cost you something. But as you consider what your salvation costs the Lord, the calling becomes clear and the cost takes its rightful place among your other priorities. And it's worth it. It's worth it not just for your peace of mind, knowing that you did what you could to share your faith with others and give them an opportunity to repent and receive Jesus as their savior, but it's worth it for the opportunity to connect someone else to Jesus for the first time, for their lifetime, and possibly for eternity. Number two, mission work costs. Number three this evening, mission work is done best by those who are close by. Say close by. So number one, mission work is critical. Number two, mission work costs. Number three, mission work is done best by those who are close by. The old model was folks who had faith sending an expert in sharing the faith to folks who did not have faith. 
And often this did look like a white missionary from the Midwest being sent overseas to some different kind of people group to share the good news of Jesus with them. And this was somewhat effective, but not completely effective. The better model is training up missionaries from within various people groups so that they can continue to share the, G, uh, the faith of Jesus Christ one generation to the next. This seems to be better received and seems to be sustained more, longer than the old model. The next model is what we do in our own homes, neighborhoods, and communities right here and right now. And what is that next model? The next model is making America the mission field for your life as a possibility. According to some in our district office, America is the third largest mission field in the world, meaning that our population of non-believers is growing more so here than in most places on earth. And that should gain our attention. When did this happen? Did it happen recently? Did it happen over the course of time? I'm not exactly sure, but it has happened. And in fact, there are missionaries being trained up overseas that are being sent here to some of our communities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others because many believe throughout the world that America is lost and that many Americans do not believe in Jesus as their savior. Who is it that is close by you? Who has God placed in your life that he might be leading you to have a conversation with, preparing you and encouraging you to help make that introduction to Jesus? Friends, mission work is done best by those who are close by. Who is close by in your life? And who is the Holy Spirit nudging you to connect with in a more meaningful way? Number three, mission work is done best by those who are close by. Number four this evening, mission work is chess, not checkers. Say chess. A la Denzel Washington in the movie Training Day. Yeah, all the movies I watch aren't Christian movies, and they're not all G-rated. I know that's probably not true of you, but here it is. Two, um, excuse me, Training Day is one of my top 10 favorites. Here's the top 10 list. Are you ready? Number one, Tombstone. Number two, Shawshank Redemption. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Number four, Training Day. Number five, A Star is Born. That's a new one. Number five, Empire Strikes Back and the whole Star Wars saga. Number uh, six or seven, The Karate Kid, uh, followed by The Avengers and the whole Marvel Universe series. Number nine, Groundhog Day. And number 10, a three-way tie between Tommy Boy, Happy Gilmore, and the Anchorman. We can quote lines and we can debate order after the service. But the reason I mention that is because mission work is like chess, not checkers. Not that it's incredibly complex, but the fact that it takes some time. It takes time to develop relationships. It takes time to connect with other people in a meaningful way. It takes time for folks to trust you to the extent that they will give you permission to speak truth into their lives. And different people will be different, different at different times in life, to be sure. But in general, folks need to get to know you and you need to get to know them 
before they will allow you the privilege and opportunity to share your faith in Jesus. But friends, make no mistake, I believe many times that time will come if you are investing in significant relationships with other people. Friends, mission work is like chess because it takes time to unfold your relationships with others. The people in my life who have considered Christ and who did not know him or did not know him that well or come from a strong Christian background have been those with whom I've spent significant time, joined together in shared activities or with whom I've had meaningful dialogue over the years. They usually were not approaching me to receive religious goods or services even though my vocation is a pastor. But instead, these were people who were connecting with me through my neighborhood relationships, through my kids' sports teams, in our school, or as I volunteered either at the school or, or in the community. And through those relationships and encounters, spiritual conversations would emerge. But they would emerge after time, after we shared common experiences, after we connected because uh, we had something in common, usually our kids, at least at my life stage and age. But it happened because we connected and we kept on connecting. And friends, I hope and pray that it continues to happen with you. Looking back in my life, God used those encounters to bring about some of the most significant changes in behavior and in direction for individuals and families. And it wasn't a whole lot of folks, but it was some. It wasn't thousands, it wasn't hundreds, but it was more like tens and twenties. And I thank God for every one of those opportunities to eventually share my faith with those folks whom God has placed in my life. Friends, mission work is chess, it's not checkers. It takes time. It takes time. Number five, in our current context and culture, mission work will mean becoming the new wine skin for the new wine to be shared. Say, new wine skin. New wine skin. Friends, the message has not changed, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's only one way to salvation, and as that is through a relationship of truth and trust in Jesus. However, the method has changed and will continue to change even up to this day and beyond. Robert Newton is the former district president of the California, Nevada, Hawaii district of the Lutheran Church and former professor of missiology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. He currently resides in Frankfort, Michigan with his wife. Dr. Newton was here with us this past season, actually this past spring, and presented to some area pastors who serve as circuit visitors who help coach and resource local pastors. And during that time, he shared this. When the church used to have position and privilege near the center of American culture, it was more acceptable for a church worker or missionary to be influential in the center of a community. Back in the day, mission work used to be us coming to the center of the culture and sharing the grace of truth of Jesus in a way that was authoritative but received. Presumptuous, perhaps, but still allowed. As if to say, we have what you need and here it is. Come and get it. 
and many folks did. But now the church is not in the center of the culture, nor is it even on the fringe of the culture. It's outside of the culture, which means we cannot go to the center and expect to have an interested audience like before. Today, folks necessarily do not want Christianity, nor do they feel they even need the Christian faith as part of their lives, at least some folks. According to Newton, we as the church of 2021 need to behave as missionaries to a foreign land where we sit on the outside of the circle and listen and learn, love and relate. And then, and only then, might we be given permission and the privilege to communicate in a meaningful way and then share our faith. Friends, the method has changed. The old ways of doing mission work won't be received necessarily by our current culture. We need to be patient. We need to listen. We need to learn from other folks. We need to love them where they're at. And we need to relate with them if we're going to be given opportunity to share our faith with Jesus with them. New skins for the new wine for a different age and a different time. The new wine, of course, is Jesus referencing Matthew chapter 9. Always fresh, always in season, always available, always able to refresh along the way until that day we dine in the presence of Jesus at his heavenly banquet table. But to receive Jesus, new wineskins are necessary. No person or system of thought can take Jesus as an add-on to their theology. All faith and all practice, including mission work, must begin with Christ at the center. What does that mean for the church? According to Jeff Gibbs, professor of New Testament at Concordia Seminary, my old professor, <laughs> retired as he is, God bless him. He said this, for those who are already Christians, there is always a call for reformation. The church must ever and always be re-examining its teaching and practice in light of the scripture praying for the Spirit's guidance through the words of Jesus and the inspired writing of the New Testament authors so that no customer practice will become old wineskin in danger of being burst by the new wine of Jesus and the gospel message that proclaims him. Friends, the old Adam with its sinfulness, selfishness, and stubbornness it resists Jesus Christ and his offer of salvation. It resists us trying new things and trying new ways of sharing our faith with others. And it resists us and tries to prevent us from receiving the love and forgiveness of Jesus and of course sharing that with others in need. And Jesus as the new wine cannot fill the old receptacle lest it burst. As we have taught you before here in this place, you cannot give to someone else what you do not have yourself. So what does that mean for our mission work together? It means that you have to repent of your sins, your selfishness, your stubbornness, your pride, your arrogance, your judgmental nature against those who don't hold the same values as you, your desire to be liked so much that you won't have a difficult conversation with someone else, your fear of missing out, with some, so you won't spend time with others who need Jesus, but may not advance your station in life or your status among your friends. 
Friends, did you ever think that mission work would start with you repenting of your sins and me repenting of my sins and receiving the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ? I know I did until I prepared this message. The Holy Spirit still teaches us new things, even in our older ages. Friends, if there's a secret recipe to mission work, I believe that would be it. Because forgiven and free in Christ, there is nothing that you cannot accomplish in the kingdom of Christ by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to connect more people to Jesus. Friends, we know it's not you, it's not me, it's Christ in you, it's Christ in me. And it's not about your advanced knowledge or your mature faith or even your church membership. But it's about the presence of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to connect people to Jesus. It's not about you and your idiosyncrasies that prevent you from participating in the mission God gave us to share Jesus and thereby save people for eternity. It's about Jesus calling on your life to share his message of grace and truth always, every day, with everyone. Friends, mission work is critical. It costs. It's done best when it's done close by. It's more like chess and checkers, and it's designed to connect with a culture that no longer believes the same things we believe, no longer does the same things that we do. But it's essential, now perhaps more than ever. Because friends, eternity is on the line. And God has given us Jesus for this place and time. Lord, give us new wineskins to receive you and to share you with others. And all God's people said, Amen.